guys, you're listening to Bento Podcast. We're a podcast series for and by millennials that talks about topics and issues surrounding our generation. And we're bringing you stories of millennials from all over the world and their journey. I'm your host, Ben, and let's get this episode started. Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Bento Podcast. This is episode six of season three, Roaring Twenties 2.0. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about the possibility of history maybe repeating itself. It's going to focus on basically the possibility of an economic revival coming in the 21st century and in this decade, the 2020s. Now, before we begin, please follow us on our Instagram at bentopodcast.id. And if you have any questions, any suggestions, and any comments you'd like to make, please send it to our email at bentopodcast2020 at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, let's get this started. So, Roaring Twenties 2.0. For those of you who don't know what the Roaring Twenties is, so I'm just going to explain very briefly what the Roaring Twenties is about. So the Roaring Twenties is one of the most significant economic revival that the human history has ever seen, the modern human history has ever seen. And it's a very memorable decade, which began in the 1920s and ended around the 1929. And during those period in time, there were just so many technological and economic breakthroughs that everyone was basically living a very lavish lifestyle. Now, the best reference to the Roaring Twenties would simply be the movie The Great Gatsby or the book. That book is literally set at the peak, at the heights of the Roaring Twenties. Everybody was partying like there was not a single damn day tomorrow, literally. And it was, the partying culture became very synonymous with the whole decade of the Roaring Twenties that every single time the Roaring Twenties is mentioned, the first thing that came into people's mind would be the crazy partying and just the basic disregard for any human norms during those parties. Everything was lavish and everything was big. And so that was what the Roaring Twenties was. Now, you might ask, like, what exactly caused the Roaring Twenties to happen? Now, before we get there, I'd like to tell you about the time before the Roaring Twenties. What exactly happened before the Roaring Twenties? So before the Roaring Twenties happened, in, which is exactly in 1920, there was the First World War, which saw one of the most deadliest human confrontation ever in modern human history, resulted in millions and millions of deaths. And right after, uh, just right before the war ended, the Spanish flu came about. It happened right at the end of the First World War. It infected hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, and it killed 50 million people. Now, this was the equivalent of the coronavirus back 100 years ago, almost a century ago. And the difference being that back then, the Spanish flu, of course, technology was not advanced as it is today. And we don't have that fast of an information sharing infrastructure as we have now. And so it was more lethal. So the Spanish flu back then was known as one of the most deadliest, I would say, disease in modern human history back then. 
and even till now, it still remains as one of the deadliest. And the Spanish flu was happening, and the you know the First World War was just ending, and the world was in a complete disarray. It was in an absolutely com- complete disarray. Germany lost, and of course, uh, America and England and France uh, won in that war. And what started from then on, what actually caused the Roaring Twenties to happen is the economic and the technological innovation of that period. Because of the war, governments were basically putting a lot of money into research and development of technology. And after the war, they had to somehow reutilize those technologies for civilian life because you, there's just no more wars to fight. You know, There's really literally no use for these. And so a lot of different technological innovations were made back then. And with that in mind, a lot of the war production facilities were shifted to civilian uh, product. And that also caused a huge boom in basically consumers, uh, con- the different types of consumer products. Now, after the economy basically recovered to a point where it became better or even stronger than it was before the First World War and the Spanish flu, the market, the stock market became so bullish back in the 1920s that basically almost all the stocks listed in America back then and most part of the Western world just rose and rose and rose. And of course, those that were holding uh, you know, stocks back then enjoyed a tremendous amount of profit. And that, that literally is what's, you know, kicking off the whole era of what we now know as the 1920s. So the question right now would be, why could it happen again? Why would the roaring 20s happen again? And what exactly are the factors that would basically be the main driver for an economic recovery? Or even one could even say an economic renaissance, you know. Well, first thing, we didn't have we don't have the Spanish flu now. And thankfully we didn't have a war. But we have COVID, which is what I would like to call the modern 2020 equivalent of a Spanish flu. Less deadly, but it is as disruptive as uh, the Spanish flu or maybe even more. Now, one of the main traits that COVID and Spanish flu had was that it really restricted human movement or basically human socialization back then. Back then in the 1918 uh, until 1920, right before the Roaring Twenties began, everyone had to wear masks for f- a full two years, just exactly like what we're doing right now, exactly what we're going through right now. And the thing is that they had some sort of a lockdown mechanism of you know, although it's not as sophisticated as it is today because information was harder to like uh, spread and also distribute. So the main uh, corrective measure or preventive measure that the government had back then was to wear a mask. That's all there is. So people were coming into baseball games and stuff back in the 1920s. Babe Ruth was still playing. And everyone had to wear masks, including the athletes actually, you know, playing baseball that particular day. So everybody had to wear a mask back then. And funny part is that the government tried to stop human socialization or human interaction 
in public functions or basically in public places as, as much as possible. But the beauty of it is that at the end of the day, human socialization or basically the desire for people to interact with other people was so huge to the point where they just find other ways to kind of improvise and eventually they you know they fit into this whole new normal setting that happened in the 1920s now the same thing happens for us the economy needs to move right like that's one of the biggest things that we have to kind of um do to kind of revive our economy which is we have to start spending we have to start going out there and reviving these small businesses or any businesses in this sense to kind of even have attraction of like having the economy revive a lot of economies back then and now have one similarity is that we a lot of these businesses rely on human socialization human socialization and interaction makes business it's good for business Either you're a restaurant, either you're a supplier for a restaurant, either you're a mall, either you're a delivery company, either you're a shoemaker, or, you know, whatever it is. Human socialization is always good for business, period. And in the 1920s, people had to improvise to make sure that their socialization or basically their social life will stay as normal as they could without having to change a lot of things and they just persevered. And likewise, this is what exactly we're seeing right now with COVID. Human socialization cannot be stopped, period. We'll find ways, we'll find, you know, loopholes because the desire for people to meet each other, it's just a biological, psychological, basic need that we just can't, you know, we just can't say no to. And that's one of the first reason why I think another Roaring Twenties could happen is because Although the virus may be a hindrance to pe for people to socialize, it won't be enough to stop people completely from socializing. People would either be used to the risk that COVID have, or they would improvise one way or another. That's the beauty about human beings. If we can't find a way, we either make a new way or we'll do something else. If there's no door, we'll either open and, you know, we'll either dig a wall or build a new door. You know, that's how it is. So, that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is that the economy adapts. The economy adapts in what sense? Okay, so back in the 1920s, the economy of basically most part of the Western Hemisphere, Europe and America, they start to shift to modern production. The most, I would say the number one most, you know, eye-opening invention during that time was the mass production uh, production uh, system that was popularized uh, by Henry Ford with the Ford Model T. Remember the Model T? That happened in the 1920s. That happened in the Roaring Twenties, in the heights of Roaring Twenties. So the reason why the idea for mass production even came about was because of the industry lines that were available to make military equipments back then. And so Henry Ford, what he did was he tried to improvise and adjusted that manufacturing sort of system to fit civilian need, in this case, automobiles. Automobiles were also invented because of the war. Because of the war, 
it popularized, you know, basically the whole concept of mechanical transportations to the point that it becomes popular for people and for civilians to use. So back then, that's how the economy sort of adapt. It adapted from a traditional manufacturing to mass production. The beginning and I would say the birth of mass production, the roots of it happened in the 1920s and the economy adapts to it. What about us? Like, what about us now? Well, it lies on two things, two words, digital and data. Our economy from the year 2000s until the late 2010s, and this, you know, in this case, the 2019s, it's always been about that transition period, right? From the traditional analog to the whole new world, what we call now as digital. 2020 is going to be a point in time where all these transition period will start to end. And then we're starting to, you know, make a completely new industry that never existed before. We even had jobs that never existed before. Five to 10 years ago, data scientists was not even a thing. Like, what is a data scientist? But now look at everywhere we go. Every big company in the world right now have a huge data scientist division. And data science suddenly becomes one of the most seek after talent in the market right now. So what does that mean? It means the economy is adapting. The economy is trying to shift its form from its transitional semi-analog, semi-digital form to a full digital form. We are heading towards that era. As much as how Ford, Henry Ford adopted you know, mass production for the Model T, a lot of the companies like Google, Facebook, Tesla, WeChat, they're trying to take into account the whole concept of digital and data, especially data. Data has become, literally, I would say, data has started to become the new currency of the world. It literally is. Look at Bitcoin. It's, it's basically data, you know. It's just zeros and ones. And yet one Bitcoin is worth tens of thousands of dollars. I'm not going to say that, like, that's a very good uh, point to kind of emphasize data, but it doesn't change the fact that data is becoming the new currency in the world right now. A lot of the services that we have on our smartphones right now, a lot of them can be free is because of data. Data is what makes money right now. It's the new moneymaker of the 21st century. And 2021, in fact, the 2020s will be the decade where data will become the new normal. It will become the new golden standard of any industry imaginable. You can be in culinary, you can be in the arts industry, you can be in production, you can be in services, and everyone will need data, period, for sure. Speaking of technology development, we saw, you know, we talked about... Um, manufacturing lines uh, made by Henry Ford, mass production, all those back in the 1920s. Well, guess what? We have a very similar invention in the night, not exactly invention, but almost innovation in the 1920s. And that's electric cars and battery tech. Electric cars, especially thanks to Elon Musk and Tesla, which we're going to talk about later on, is a huge, huge trend. And 2021 is going to be that new beginning for both Tesla 
and Elon Musk, and of course, the whole electric car industry. It's becoming more popular and more and more countries are starting to implement the whole system of electric cars, the infrastructure for recharging. And basically governments are some countries, you know, especially like I know in China, they're giving grants for people who want to switch to electric so that it would, number one, it would help them to pay for the electric car. And second, it will also try to reduce the overall air population uh, in, you know, in a city by taking away gas powered cars. Another innovation that we've seen is AI, artificial intelligence. Now we have seen an immense amount of growth in the field of AI. Nowhere near what we have in terms of AI 20 years ago is what we have today. AI today is so sophisticated, so complex, that I'm pretty sure in the next five to six years, we can have like androids with AI, like literally robots with their own mind and their own algorithms with neural net and all these kinds of things. It's a thing. And it's almost like a technological renaissance in a sense, because we're starting to implement all these new technologies into our daily lives. Now, the best way to see how a technological renaissance is happening is when we see very sophisticated technology started to trickle down to us, the average Joes. That's when you know something's going to happen and something's going to happen soon. I mean, look at that. I mean, the whole industry right now is so excited about AI. It's so excited about electric cars. It's so excited about battery. That Look at Elon Musk. The guy literally became the richest man on earth for a period of time, at least on Friday, before Jeff Bezos again took, you know, took his own place. But just look at it. Tesla now is worth more than the entire car industry. That is insane. They have not even made like a lot of cars to begin with. They've not even made a lot of cars and they haven't even sold a lot of cars in a lot of countries. But the investors believe that electric cars are the way forward. And Tesla is at the forefront of that particular industry. They have their own proprietary battery tech. They have their own proprietary charging tech. They even have their own proprietary AI and software for their cars. So, the, you know, this is what investors are really excited about. And the fact that people are excited about something like Tesla, which in a sense haven't really produced a lot of cars in the past couple of years, shows a lot of confidence being put into this industry and what this industry's outlook can be for the big players like Toyota, uh, Mercedes-Benz and BMW. So you see, like we already have the virus in a sense that we already have this motivation to, uh, in the sense human socialization cannot be stopped. We see an economy adapting. And we see technological development that rivals the innovation we saw in the 1920s. So these are the three reasons, personally, that I'm kind of uh, that I have written up that I've basically analyzed, which would suggest that a Roaring Twenties 2.0 is happening, because it's it's really it's almost a bit creepy because a lot of the things, a lot of the patterns that I'm seeing, is so similar to the point where you start to think if this is like a hundred year cycle, maybe there was a roaring twenties in the 1820s and we never got to know about it. You never know. But as far as I'm concerned, the 1920s and the 2020s do share a lot of different things.
they do share a lot of similarities. They do share a lot of advancement. They do share a lot of circumstances as well. And, you know, the 1920s really started off, kicked off a lot of different things. You know, because a lot of people back then was so rich and so lavish, Art Deco became a thing. If you guys love Art Deco, well, you could thank people 100 years ago. It's because of them that Art Deco became an instant classic. Jazz became a thing. Jazz became the new, you know, the new flagship song genre of the 1920s. Now, so we have COVID, an economy that adapts, and technology uh, development that literally is becoming uh, the reason why I would think that a Roaring Twenties 2.0 is coming, especially in this decade. But now the question is, what would it look like? What would a Roaring Twenties 2.0 look like, especially now that we know that back then, the Spanish flu, it ended in 1920. Now, coronavirus is still there. And we don't, you know, we haven't seen any signs that it's going to be over anytime soon. So what is this Roaring Twenties 2.0 going to look like? First, it's going to be in Asia. Yeah, you heard me. It's going to be in Asia. Now, 100 years ago, the Roaring Twenties happened in the Western part of the world. Europe, and especially America, it became the center of the Roaring Twenties. Now, Asia was basically forgotten in the 1920s because, of course, you know, a lot were still under colonial rule. That's number one. And number two, there was just not enough advancement at that point. Globalization was not at a point where it would reach Asia back then. So, of course, Asians were basically skipped out. And in fact, all the other regions in the world were skipped out except Europe and America. But this time in Roaring Twenties 2.0, Asia is going to be the one in the lead. And why is that? First of all, China is going to be a big reason why Roaring Twenties 2.0 is going to be in, in Asia because the economy adapting and technological development of electric cars and data and digital, that is all centering in China right now. Whether you like it or not, it's really what it is. China is literally leading the world in that particular sense. And Southeast Asia right now is one of the most promising digital battlegrounds for companies. Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia especially, Thailand, Vietnam, you know, these are countries with massive potential, both digital and data wise. The amount of social media use in Southeast Asia alone is more than Europe and North America combined. That's how active, you know, Southeast Asian netizens are. And plus, Southeast Asia and Asia in particular has been a region that has been very, very welcoming towards new technology. If you look at Indonesia, e-wallets are almost like a normal thing. You see people with five, six different e-wallet platforms. And you don't see that in you know the Western part of the world where everything is still either credit card or cash. There are some e-wallet payments, but it's not as prominent as you know a country like Indonesia, for example. And so with these foundations in, in, in place, you know, we have a very strong population with a very high digital affinity. We re, like people really love these digital infrastructure. It becomes very easy for companies to really develop a ground base to grow a data-driven economy. Because the infrastructure 
just has to be built. The people is already there and they're already able. They're already very tech literate. Asians are very, very tech literate. They're very fluent in how to use and manipulate technology. And they're also very digital friendly in a sense that their culture itself really integrates technology into their very fibers. TikTok, Instagram, you know, Twitter, uh, WeChat, for example, Line, WhatsApp. These have all become a part of all Asians' life. It's just like, it's a very natural thing, you know, like e-commerce have grown the most in Asia. You know, Amazon's the only guy playing playing the game in, in America. But look at Asia. We have like so many different top e-commerce sites. Like that shows already the difference of possibilities and chances. But that's the good side of things. But of course, you know, a coin has two sides and two sides of a coin is what makes a coin a coin. And so it's also going to be, you know, what is it going to be like? What's the negative side of it going to be like? Well, it's going to be a very divided, prosperous time. It's going to be the best and worst of times in a package. And why would I say that? Well, first of all, world politics right now is not at, you know, it's not at its best, you know. A lot of countries are at each other's throats or they're just, you know, having domestic problems enough to kind of destabilize their own economy. So politics is going to play a huge role here because at the end of the day, you can have an economy that is growing and you can have the technology to support it. But if you don't have the political climate to maintain the stability of everything, then that really might also be a very painful experience to go through. It's almost like a double-edged sword. If we see, you know, if we kind of like think back to what happened um, two days ago in America, in the Capitol building, I think that pretty much, you know, pictures the sort of divided future that we're going to see in the coming years. It's definitely apparent that the world is a very divided place right now. And that there is a lot of things that we should do, but it's going to take time. You know, it's basically, like I said, the best and worst of times in a package. You get the best of the economy and the technology, but you also have the worst in terms of mindset and philosophies. And this clash will make this Roaring Twenties 2.0, I think, the most interesting Roaring Twenties we've ever seen or we've ever witnessed. Now, with that in mind, you know, we've discussed about what the Roaring Twenties is, what caused the Roaring Twenties to happen in the first place. In this case, you know, an economy recovering from the Spanish flu and, of course, the technological innovation brought by this, uh, the First World War and just basically, you know, you know, a population that is hungry to, you know, to consume any goods, basically. And we also discussed why it could happen again. COVID, a data-driven economy that is adapting, and of course, technology development and AI, online services and electric cars and battery tech. And of course, we've also seen the good side and the bad side of Roaring Twenties. The good side is most probably it's going to be in a new region. It's going to be in Asia. That's going to be the new center of the world. The bad news is we're going to be having a lot of conflicts, especially you know, bilateral conflicts between countries. Because uh, data is going to be very important. And um, I don't know. 
the political climate around the world is not exactly the best at it, you know, at this particular point. And um, shit can really go south sometimes really quickly. I'm just hoping that the new elected president of the United States would be, you know, be able to kind of stabilize things and kind of cool things down because it's really hot right now. But yeah, that's pretty much uh, my take on why it could be Roaring 22.0. Now, moving on to the Q&A session, there are actually some very good questions uh, and some very good statements as well. So one of my listeners said, it's definitely, okay, uh, I asked on Instagram a couple of days ago, what is your outlook on the economy? So one listener said, it can only go up. We're already so low right now, we can only go up. And I agree with that. Our economy has seen one of the worst ever drop in 2020. One of the most, I would say, upsetting economic, I would say, downfall ever since the Great Depression. Or to some extent, even worse than the Great Depression. And at this point, the world has adapted to a certain point where I think everything from this point on forward will only be an up. It may not be a right, like an upright, direct up, but it'll definitely go up. And I completely agree with that in the sense that I don't think we can really sink any lower than this because we're already sinking pretty deep. Now, there's another question. Actually, there is a question here this time, which says, uh, what is your thought about the Great Depression? Will we also have a Great Depression 2.0 following the Roaring Twenties 2.0? That's a very important question, in my opinion. And the answer is, I don't know. To be honest, it's really hard to say. One of the reasons why the Great Depression happened is because in the Roaring Twenties, one of the biggest mistakes that investors did was everyone was so bullish, everyone was so confident of their investments, they literally felt invincible at that particular point in time. And I can't blame them. In an age where technology and you know information was not as advanced as it is right now, you definitely get complacent and you definitely be influenced easier by people around you with you know maybe information that are questionable. And the stock market crash uh, in, at the end of 1929, people call it the Black Tuesday, literally became the trigger for what became the Great Depression, one of, I would say, the worst economic crisis in human history. Will it happen? It could happen technically because, okay, one of the worries that I have right now is uh, coming back to Tesla. Tesla is now worth a shit ton of money, $700 billion dollars. That is a lot for someone who just makes cars and nothing much more. And even that is not a lot of cars to begin with. They don't really produce a lot of cars. So basic logic here for like, you know, just to simplify it is like basic logic. If you're part of an industry, you know, you're part of an industry that is worth, let's say, a billion. You can't be worth 2.5. You know, I mean, like, how does that even make sense? You don't produce that much. How can you produce more? than a total industry production. Like it does, doesn't make sense. So one of the fears that I have is that Tesla is now very overvalued and that this sentiment that people are having is almost like the dot-com bubble of the late 1990s. We see the dot-com bubble pop in early 2000 and we saw huge, huge downfalls in stock, uh, stock prices, especially tech company stocks back then. Now, 
the same can be said about Tesla. Now, the fact that Tesla is worth $700 billion, I'm pretty sure a lot of companies right now are just eyeing the opportunity to somehow, some way, enter into the whole car, electric car industry and challenge Tesla. And I'm talking about big players like Toyota, Mercedes-Benz, and BMW. And it's fine because competition is always good. The only fear is that investors... You know, investors, no matter if they're 100 years ago, if they're like investors now, they all have the same mentality. If everything is a bull, get in. Bull, basically, all prices are going up, then get in. Get in now. That's always been the mentality. And just when things are starting to like, you know, uncover itself, then you'll have the free fall. The free fall to death and the free fall to nowhere. So Tesla right now, in my opinion, is way too overpriced. And um, I read it. We'll, we'll see in the coming future, you know, in the next, uh, I would say, eight to nine years. We'll see what happens. But will the Great Depression 2.0 come? That would really depend on how investors treat uh, the electric car market and the data industry as a whole. Will we have another bubble? Well, I think Tesla is already kind of in a bubble, in in my opinion, but we'll see. I hope not. You know, I hope that uh, the economy will sort of fix itself in a more moderate sort of a way and not like just like free fall, like a Great Depression free fall. But again, like the economy, you know, we, we never really can tell what can happen in the next eight to nine years. We can always speculate. We can only forecast things, but we really can't say things for sure. Uh, but yeah, all right. Well, that is it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, it definitely has been a very fun episode for me to research about because the Roaring Twenties is a very interesting time. You know, a lot of like very unique uh, cultures and design aspects and just, you know, the straight up the, the atmosphere of the 1920s is very surreal. I actually kind of like the the look of the 1920s, especially with the whole Art Deco kind of a thing. I think it's it's really classy. I think it's really really uh, fun and very like sophisticated to like experience. So it's definitely been a fun episode for me, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, like I said, follow us on our Instagram at bentopodcast.id. If you've got questions, emails, comments, or anything it is, uh, you can send an email to bentopodcast2020 at gmail.com. And yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. I'm your host, Ben. I'm signing off. Thank you guys and see you later.